Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa manuala. Welcome everybody to another facts, uh, Zafina Saadi live stream that today is on the stories of the Aulia. That's what we're talking about today. And today's topic, the, the uh, personality that we're going to study is a very important personality, and that is Sayyidina al-Imam Jafar al-Sadr. When we say personality, we mean by that a major historical figure in our ummah. Uh, and he comes at the beginning of the ummah. He died very early in the second century, which means he died in the year 148. And he's from the lineage of the Messenger And of course, as you know, the Shia consider him the sixth of the uh, masum or sinless imams, the imams that cannot commit sins and that they must be followed wujuban by obligation. And of course, on that matter, we completely differ and have what they say basically is of no relevance to us and no significance uh, because it is well known that he himself, Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq himself, uh, negated that when he said whoever uh, claims that I'm the ma'asum and I'm, my uh, obedience is obligatory to them, I am bari'um minhu. Rather, the only ma'asum is my grandfather, the messenger of Allah, meaning that his great-grandfather, because the Arabs would call the word father or grandfather to even somebody who was many uh, lineages up or many generations up. So, Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, he's the son of Muhammad al-Baqir, who is the son of Ali, Zain al-Abidin. His nickname is Zain Abidin, son of Hussein, who of course was martyred at Karbala, and he was uh, he was killed viciously at Karb- uh, Karbala, which the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi said it is Karbun Wabala, which is a disaster and a calamity. All right, so it used to be said about Jafar al-Sadiq and his father Muhammad al-Baqir that you could tell by l- just looking at the one of them that they were from lineages of prophets. There was a haiba about them. Okay, now Sayyidina Muhammad al-Baqir was his teacher. Now you have to talk a little bit about Muhammad al-Baqir. Muhammad al-Baqir is of the age of Abu Hanifa's teachers. Okay, so Muhammad al-Baqir is a generation above Abu Hanifa. Abu Hanifa and Jafar al-Sadiq are from the same generation. And Malik was under Jafar al-Sadiq. So Malik, as we're going to talk about, was a pupil. He was, I wouldn't even say pupil, I would say murid. The way that I'm going to describe it, it's what we would call disciple, not just student. He didn't just take narrations from Jafar al-Sadiq. He took something far, far deeper from Sayyidina Imam Jafar al-Sadiq. So Muhammad al-Baqir himself, he was known as Abu Jafar, and he had six boys, and Jafar being the uh, the best of the scholars of those boys. But his name, he was known as Abu Jafar Muhammad al-Baqir. And the people loved him. The people were, uh, were all about Abu Jafar Muhammad al-Baqir. At the time, the Khalifa al-Mansur, he was very worried that People would be, you know, that he was always worried when a Hassani or Husseini uh, member of Ahlul Bayt was getting popular, because they the, the rulers at that time were very worried about because they knew that these were the rightful, you know, that they they had that they had not uh, that they had uh, the people would always prefer Ahlul Bayt over the the other tribes. They they knew that people would prefer that, and that uh, they got in based upon the concept that. Uh, you should be ruled by Ahlul Bayt. Okay, so the Abbasids did this. Okay, the uh, the Abbasids when they when you, if you look at their revolution, they promoted and said, hey, "Don't you want? Wouldn't you rather have the the lineage of the Prophet Sallallahu being your Khalifas?" But then it was like a bait and switch because they said, "Yeah, well, we're Abbasids, which is technically the lineage of the Prophet, but not what they had what they had made the people think." In any event, that's a whole nother thing. But he said. To Abu Hanifa, he called Abu Hanifa. He said, "I want you to prepare forty questions for Muhammad al-Baqir." So Abu Hanifa did, but the intent of al-Mansur was that Muhammad al-Baqir can't answer the questions, and so people would start dismissing him. And the Haiba, Haiba is the awe that they had for Muhammad, for Muhammad al-Baqir, would go down, and people would dismiss him. So Abu Hanifa, he prepared these questions. And these are all Sunni sources. I don't, I don't read any of the Shiite sources. He then came in, Muhammad al-Baqir came in, and Abu Hanifa's own words was, the Haiba, stop that, the Haiba of Muhammad al-Baqir was greater than the Haiba of the Khalifa. SubhanAllah. He was like more in awe of Muhammad al-Baqir than of the Khalifa. So Mansur was already unhappy. 
So then he said he prepared the 40 questions and he said in them, we, we would, there were tests in them. They were confusing questions. The questions built wrong questions with false facts inside of them. Right. And he said that Muhammad al-Baqir went through them perfectly and everyone came out more impressed with him than originally that they were. Right. So Muhammad al-Baqir, he has this history with Abu Hanifa. And he also, uh, he had some debates with Abu Hanifa himself. He said, why do I see that you use Qiyas? Because Muhammad al-Baqir was from the, Medi the, the Medinan school and they didn't use a lot of Qiyas. Qiyas is analogy. Okay. So uh, he said that, uh, don't you know that Iblis was the first one to use Qiyas? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says prostrate, he said, no, I'm better than him. Right? Why should I prostrate to Adam when I'm, you made me a fire? So he made an analogy that wasn't right because the purpose of the prostration is not the material you're made out of. That was what Iblis thought. And he challenged, and his debate with Abu Hanifa was that what is greater, fasting or prayer? Well, clearly, the salah is the most important ibadah, right? And he said then, why is it that you make, that the woman who's on, who's bleeding, she makes up the prayer, but she doesn't, uh, the fast, but she doesn't make up the prayer, right? So he said that this deen is not by aql. This deen is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rituals of the deen, the ibadat, it's not by intellect. The acts of the, the the primary acts of worship are not by intellect. You don't use analogy in them. And anyway, Abu Hanifa's qiyas is a valid qiyas. We know the Hanafi madhab is a pure madhab to be followed. But the early scholars they did have disputes and debates. No no problem with that. So continues on that Abu uh, Jafar al-Sadiq takes knowledge now from two people. He takes knowledge from his father, Muhammad al-Baqir. That's his his main teachers. He also took knowledge from his grandfather, Al-Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr, one of the biggest scholars of Medina. Yeah. He takes knowledge from Zuhri. He takes knowledge from Urwa ibn Zubair, who was actually related to him, okay, as descendants of Abu Bakr Siddiq. So Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, just as he said, anyone who says that I'm a sinless imam that is obligated to be followed, he said, I am innocent of him. In other words, I have nothing to do with, I disavow him, and Allah disavows them. He also said, anybody who has a word to say about Abu Bakr and Omar, I disavow him and Allah disavows him. And he said, how could I say this when I do not want from the intercession on the day of judgment, any intercession from Ali that I do not want from Abu Bakr. Okay. And how could I not want it from Abu Bakr when he gave birth to me twice? This is a famous statement of Jafar al-Sadiq and he used to always repeat it. He says, Abu Bakr Siddiq, He gave birth to me twice. What does he mean by that? He means by that that Jafar al-Sadiq comes from two lines of Abu Bakr Siddiq. He comes from the lineage of Abu Bakr Siddiq from Abdur, his son Abdul Rahman, all right, Ibn Abi Bakr, to his daughter. Abdul Rahman Ibn Abi Bakr's daughter. So Abu Bakr's granddaughter, okay, Abu Bakr's granddaughter is Asma. Asma is the grandmother of Jafar al-Sadiq, okay? Is the grandmother of Jafar al-Sadiq from his mom. So the mother, the mother is, Abu Bakr, uh, Jafar al-Sadiq's mother is from the Abu Bakr al-Siddiq's uh, uh, lineage from two different branches of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq's lineage, okay? So Abu Bakr's mother, uh, Jafar al-Sadiq's mother, her mom his, uh, comes from Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr. Her dad comes from Muhammad. Ibn Abi Bakr. And the lineage of uh, the, the mother from her dad, her name is Fatima, Umm Farwa, mother of Jafar al-Sadiq, okay. bint al-Qasim, bint uh, Ibn Muhammad Ibn Abi Bakr. All right. So it's Jafar al-Sadiq's mother combines two lineages of Abu Bakr, uh, Bakr al-Siddiq. Okay. She combines two lineages. And his father, of course, is Muhammad al-Baqr, son of Ali Zain al-Abidin, son of Hussein, son of Sayyidina Ali, okay, and his the mother, of course, being Fatima al-Zahra. So that's why Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, he combines two lineages. He combines the lineage of al-Hussein through Fatima al-Zahra, and from his mother's side, two lineages of Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, both. So he his great-grandfathers are Abdul Rahman, Ibn Abi Bakr and Muhammad Ibn Abi Bakr, two sons, two sons of Abu Bakr that he's related to, and of course the grandson of the Messenger Al Hussein. 
So that's how Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, for him to, for, for there to be even the, the notion that he has a word to say about Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq is absurd, simply by his lineage. He'd be cursing his mother. He'd be cursing his father. Okay, He'd be cursing his grandfathers. I mean, so Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, he counts as a tabi'i. He counts as a tabi'i. He met the Sahaba. And from the Sahaba that he met was Urwa, uh, uh, was, uh, Urwa ibn Zubair. Okay. And other Sahabi. He met other Sahaba than that. And then he says that the description, Imam al-Nawi says that he is absolutely agreed upon on the trustworthiness, the deen, and the imamah of Jafar al-Sadiq. And Imam Muslim, his longest hadith on the Hajj comes from Jafar al-Sadiq. And he's quoted in, he's not quoted in Bukhari, but he's quoted in many, many other sources of the Sunnah showing that he in fact is a, an imam of the sunnah. He's one of the imams of hadith. And he's also, he's considered somebody who is an imam in what we would now call spirituality and suluk. In other words, he was a spiritual guide to many people. And I'm going to read to you a section right now from a book that was authored by Sheikh Ahmad Ali Taha Rayyan. And he's a famous, he's considered like he, he passed away. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give him genital firdaus just like one or two years ago. I think last Ramadan he actually passed away. He actually was considered like the mountain of the East in Madiki Fiqh, the mountain of the Eastern Arab countries in Madiki Fiqh. And he writes a book on the basic intro uh, uh, on the Madiki Madhab. It's, it's a really good book, actually. It's pretty, it's 250 pages. And he brings you a section here on the relationship between Imam Madik and Imam Jafar al-Sadiq. Now, I don't want to upset the Ahnaf, but I'm going to. And it's not me. Go and blame Sheikh Taha Karan. Rahimahullah, may Allah give him genocide for those. He also passed away. Sheikh Taha Karan of South Africa, he writes an essay that it's not true that Abu Hanifa was a student of Jafar al-Sadiq. Right? It's not true. It's impossible. They were of the same generation and they lived in different cities and only... And Abu Hanifa lived in Medina for two years only. And in those two years, he had a debate with Muhammad Assad, uh, al-Baqir, the father of Jafar al-Sadiq. And when he says, if it were not for the two years, I would have been destroyed, that statement of Abu Hanifa, what he means, two years fleeing from the fitna of Kufa to Medina. Otherwise, the fitna of Kufa would have ruined me. Go to Sheikh Taha Karan. My friend Asif sent it to me. Because I had also said the quote that many other people have said, that if it wasn't for the two years of Abu Hanifa, then uh, uh, two years, if it wasn't for the two years, then Abu Hanifa would have been destroyed. And a lot of people interpreted that two years he was a disciple to Jafar al-Sadiq. And Taha Karan says it's far off. Go to him, not me. Sheikh Taha Karan, uh, just type it in uh, and you'll get the essay. But he says it has nothing to do with being a pupil of Jafar al-Sadiq. No. Could it possibly been that he kept the company of Muhammad al-Baqir and Jafar al-Sadiq even as peers? It could have been. So, but he's saying most likely it's not. But the reality and the truth is, and I don't like to upset the Ahnaf uh, for that reason, but just go into that and, and study it yourself. The truth is that the one who was actually the disciple, not even the student, disciple, there's a big difference, to Jafar al-Sadiq was Imam Malik. And the why I say disciple is because uh, he, what he took from him was not uh, uh, rulings and a hadith, as much as it was spiritual state. This is a big difference. That's a, the difference between the word disciple and student. A student, you could take rules, you could take knowledge, you could take facts, right? Important things, right? But they're of the outward, they're things you can write down. A disciple is somebody you you're taking their spiritual state, their himma, their love. That's what we're talking about here. So he says, Malik says, Kuntu ara Jafar ibn Muhammad. Kathir I used to I used to visit and see uh, Jafar, son of Muhammad. And he was okay, there was no one who was more smiling and playful with the people. All right, he would sort of joke with the people that he was sitting with more than Jafar al-Sadiq. There's no one more happy and no one more 
sort of like a bright. He was like a sun type of uh, 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 the sun in the room type of personality. He was happy. He would make everyone happy. And he would sort of, you know, jest with people. Da'aba is like you say a little thing to somebody to make them smile. Okay. فَإِذَا ذُكِرَ عِنْدَهُ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِخْضَرَّ وَسْفَرَ But when the Messenger, peace be upon him, was mentioned in his presence, he's, he, the words are, he turned green and yellow, which means he completely transformed. Okay. وَلَقَدْ اِخْتَلَفْتُ إِلَيْهِ زَمَانًا Okay. And I went to him for a long time. I would go back and forth, back and forth, for a long time. فَمَا كُنْتُ أَرَاهُ and I would never see him except in three different situations. Like whenever I met him, we only you would only be in three situations. Either he's making salah. Or he's fasting. Or he's sitting reciting the Quran. And the 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 opening, the spiritual opening that Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, that it is recorded from him and that is said about him, is that his tafsir of the Quran was very special, and that every time he would recite the Quran, it was as if, it was as if Allah was speaking to him. Okay, that's that's how he viewed the Quran. Everyone has a different spiritual opening that Allah gives them. For example, his father Zain al Abidin, his grandfather, Jafar al Sadiq, son of Muhammad al Baqir, son of Ali Zain al Abidin, okay, son of Hussein. His so his grandfather. Ali Zain al-Abideen, his spiritual state is described that when he was in Salah, he would be so, it would be so much as if he is in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, okay, that he would be unaware of everything around him and he would be seen shaking. So much so some people from the back, they think it's an old man who, who now shakes, you know, how old men shake, right? Old men because they're not, their nerves are, you know, uh, no longer strong, so they shake and they thought that. Put the whole thing away. They 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 thought that he would know that. Then they say, "Oh no, it's Ali Zain Abidin." Okay, and he's just standing in front of Allah. And it is said one time that an entire masjid had a fire in it, and it collapsed. Or it said that it was his house, and it collapsed. Then they went inside to make sure nobody was there, and they found Ali Zain Abidin still in Salah. These are special things that come. Then he when he exited the prayer. Then he looked around, he saw it burning down. And he said, well, why don't you say anything? Why don't you people say anything, right? They said, how could you not see that? He said, I was in Salah. SubhanAllah. So that's a special karama. Well, Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq's special karama was that when he would recite the Quran, it was as if Allah was speaking to him directly. And there's quotes from him saying, I'd never open the Quran except this. I, it, it, the feeling as if Allah is speaking to me directly with this verse. And I'm going to tell you later on, when Madik sits with Jafar al-Sadiq, he gets his own opening. Sayyidina Imam Malik gets his own spiritual opening. He wasn't just a dry faqih like some people think fiqh and, uh, oh, it's just law and no spiritual. No. These early imams, they had everything together, all combined. So then he says, وَمَا رَأَيْتُهُ يُحَدِّثُ عَلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا عَلَى الطَّهَارَ صلى الله عليه وسلم. I've never seen him narrate a hadith ever except on purification. Upon tahara, wudu. So when we read in Madik's biography that he would never sit for the majlis of hadith without being upon tahara, where do you think he learned it from? He learned it from somewhere. You know, nobody pops out of their mother's womb with knowledge. Everyone, above every scholar, is someone who is more knowledgeable, someone he learned it from. And he never speaks about what he doesn't know. Or, or, or what is not his business. He was from the scholars who was full of worship and full of zuhud and he fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Imam Malik also talks about scholars he didn't like. Especially one, we're not going to mention his name, that came from Iraq. Okay? And he was a judge. And he was he was always with the, with the Khalifa. And he would make jokes, and Malik would say, uh, uh, related to fiqh, and Malik would would answer them, and then they would all laugh. He's like, "No, it's a joke, right? There's a problem with the question." And Malik said, "I never thought anyone of knowledge would joke about fiqh," and he got up and left, right? And he would always he did not like the scholar, 
And he's one of the big scholars. And it's not Abu Hanifa. It's one of his disciples. Okay. What is the sign that Jafar al-Sadiq has approved of Malik ibn Anas? We go today, there's a document. When, when, a, when a sheikh, for example, signs off that his student is now a sheikh, they usually write a document. In the old days, what would they do before that? They would take off the khirqa, they would take off the, the, the cloak, and place it on the student. And when people see the sheikh's cloak on the student, they know that the sheikh has approved of the student because it's not it's not possible that khirqa is very expensive, not something you just give out. And they know that it's in public. Everyone's going to see it. So if, if everyone sees the sheikh's cloak on the student, they know he's now a sheikh too. The sheikh has approved of him. Well, he used to do something else. He said, never did I go to him except that he would take the carpet, the mat, from that he was sitting on, and he would put it for me to sit on. That is a sign for everybody. This man is special. That Madik ibn Anas is special. Okay. Let's look at the effect that Jafar al-Sadiq had on Imam Malik. وَمِن مَظَاهِرِ هَذَا التَّأْثِيرِ أَيْضًا مَا يَرَوْنَهُ مِن تَغْيِيرِ لَوْنِ Malik. He said, وَسْفِرَارِهِ they would talk to him. They would say, Malik, his, his family. They would say, what is happening to you now? Every time the prophet is mentioned, your face turns colors and you change and your whole demeanor changes. What does that mean? That means before that, Malik would be sitting with his family. Someone would mention the prophet and nobody would reply. And nothing, nothing would change. They would just continue with the prophet, just the way we are, right? Just continue with the conversation. After going to Jafar al-Sadiq over and over and over and over, now whenever the Prophet's name is mentioned, you change. What is he doing? He's imitating his sheikh. He's imitating his sheikh. Some of the books now, they might call that fanat for sheikh, disappearing in the sheikh. That means you've imitated him so much. You're following him because you love him so much because you believe in him. That's why. You believe, if I imitate this man, I'm going to be close to Allah. Because this man is on the he's on the sunnah. This is how it's supposed to be. So that Malik himself started to imitate Jafar al-Sadiq. And what's the proof? His own words. Because we, we can't just assume things. He says, If you had seen what I had seen, you, you wouldn't blame me from what you're, what you're seeing. Which means if you had seen the man that I saw, that I spent with and how he acts when the Prophet وسلم, is mentioned, then you wouldn't blame me because of the, his haiba and his followership of Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq. More. وَمِن مَظَاهِرِ هَذَا التَّأْثِيرِ أَيْضًا مَا كَانَ مِن بُعْدِ مَالِكْ عَنَ الْإِشْتِغَالِ بِالْأُمُورِ السِّيَاسِيَةِ Second influence. So the first influence is the great awe and love of the Prophet You never cite hadith. You never teach hadith without wudu. When the Prophet is mentioned, there has to be a change. He is not like anybody else. Number three, far from siyasa and politics. Okay. He never cared about what the princes are doing and and, and trying to be get close to them. أن أبا مسلم الخراساني القائد الذي أقام دولة بني العباس أرسل إلى جعفر يراوضه في أن تكون الدعوة له فقرأ الرسالة ثم أحرقها واكتفى بالرد عليه عليها بأمر الرسول أن يبلغ أبا مسلم بما رأى that Abu Muslim Abu Muslim was the Persian and he's the one he wanted to overthrow the Umayyad Empire he's looking for an agent so Abu Muslim is like the back, you know, the political, I don't want to say the word schemer because he's a Muslim, he's a, yeah, but you know, the back uh, guys behind, they, they never put themselves up front, but they need somebody to become the president, right? And they could steer it. They could do all the propaganda. They could do all the work, but they need someone to be the president, right? Because they themselves won't be, people won't accept them. 
He writes a letter to Jafar al-Sadiq. He's the first person he wrote a letter to. He said, you should be our Khalifa. I'll do all the work, but you be the Khalifa. No, Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq, he's not going to be made Khalifa by somebody. No. So he took the letter. He dipped it in the fireplace and he showed it to everybody as the letter is burning. Okay? Until the whole letter was burnt to a crisp. And then he says to one of the people there, uh, uh, the, the man who brought him the letter, the, the messenger who brought him the letter, he said, go just tell him what happened. That's my answer. Okay? That was my answer. So who imitates that? His murid, Malik ibn Anas. And he says, فَقَدْ كَانَسْ سَلِمًا لِكُلِّ رَجُلٍ مِّنَ الْأَمَوِيِّينَ إِلَى الْعَبَّاسِيِّينَ إِلَى مَنْ عَادَاهُمْ لَا يَظْهَرُ بُغْضُهُ لِشَخْصٍ وَلَا يَدْعُوا إِلَى فِتْنَةٍ وَلَا يُظَاهِرُ أَحَدًا عَلَى أَحَدٍ بَلْ صَرَفَ كُلَّ جُهْدَهُ إِلَى الدَّرْسِ وَالْإِفْتَاءِ وَرِوَايَةِ الْحَدِيثِ Likewise, Malik ibn Anas. Okay. He was at peace with every man okay, of the Amawin. In other words, he was not a, a rebel. That's what he means. That doesn't mean he, he approved of everything. Doesn't mean he liked them. It means he was not a rebel. Okay. And every ruler, okay, that of the Abbasin, because the Umayyads came, then the Abbasids came. And he would never show his anger to any individual of them so that he would be considered somebody who's a threat and he would never propagate for them either. That's the key. That's the key here because we have some people who talk about this stuff, but they propagate for these rulers. No, Maddox says, I'm not going to cause fitna and rile people up because you have to know these are small towns back in the old days, right? There's not like a huge country like the way it is today. You, they, the, the Khalifa might come pray in the masjid tomorrow, right? It's just were, Khalifa was always in the, in the masjid in Nabawi. They're always there. So any any Im image from Malik that he was angry at them, it would cause an uprising. Right? The people would all hate him. So he was very cautious of his position that no emotion was shown for nor against. Okay? And he busied himself with knowledge. Okay? Some people, then he was asked one time, there are people who are rebelling against the Khalifa. Can, can they be fought? Malik says, if they rebel against the likes of Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, then yes. All right? And they said, and then Malik was asked, Well, what if the Khalifa is not a righteous, truthful, just Khalifa like Omar ibn Abdul Aziz? then what do you say about fighting the rebels, about the rebels fighting against an oppressive ruler? And isn't that the world we live in today? You can't support any of these rulers, and then there are rebels against them, so who do you support? He says, okay, Let one oppressor, let Allah uh, 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 bring justice or, or avenge. Let Allah avenge one one oppressor by another oppressor. I mean, they're both wrong, but Allah's using one oppressor to avenge another oppressor. And then Allah will avenge both of them because they're both wrong. So it, when when we have no horse in the race, that's our answer. Oh, let them go kill each other, right? It's Allah who's punishing one with the other. Okay. Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq. Let's go back now to Jafar al-Sadiq. Okay. لا يستغني أهل بلد عن ثلاثة يفزع إليهم في أمر دنياهم وأخراهم. This is saying we're now on the sayings of Jafar al-Sadiq. All right, a people should never let go, or they can never be without three types of people: فقيه عالم ورع, a a scholar of the law, who you can see in his behavior he is clear from sins; he doesn't dabble in sins. Okay, فقيه Alim wara, or he has wara. Wara means if the sin is here, the sheikh is here, right? If there's a hundred steps to sin, to a sin, to an act of disobedience, he doesn't even take the first step. That's wara. What tabib thika? A trustworthy doctor for your body. What amir muta? And an administrator, right? An amir 
a ruler that is obeyed. And, and that's true. That's that's what you need in any society. If you don't have, to the degree that you don't have one of these, you have chaos. You need order. Order for your soul, order for your body, and order for your society. All right. O scholars, you are entrusted with knowledge of prophets until you start going to the doors of the rulers. Now we don't know who you represent. Do you represent the will of the ruler or do you represent the will of Allah? Which one is it? Once a scholar, and this is Ghazali said it, many people said it, and it's just practical. Once you start going back and forth and you're now associated with a ruler and you talk, we don't know now, are you talking the politics of the ruler and just using Quran and Hadith to justify it? Or are you genuinely telling us this is what Allah and his messenger wants? It, there's a, it's, it's not clear what you want anymore. Who do you represent? Show me one person today, let's say, that is constantly back and forth and is tied to the hip with a king or a sultan where the people are wondering, are, is what you're saying like Dean or are you actually just working for the ruler and taking a check and giving the fatwa that suits him? Because once you, you're tied to the hip with a king or a sultan or a government, we sort of know that none of your fatwa is going to contradict that because he's going to get upset with you, right? I mean, it's sort of obvious. So that's the issue. And then we mentioned the rest. Now let's take a look at another saying before we wrap up that's famous from Sayyidina al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq and it is one of the famous uh, sayings that he has. Oh, where'd it go? Shoot. Go to my history. Okay. Let's take a look at this famous saying from Ja'far al-Sadiq and he says this is a, this is one of his most famous things I'm surprised at somebody who is uh, uh, startled by four things and doesn't flee to four other things so what are they that you're startled by four things and he flees to another one I'm, a, I'm surprised by somebody who's afraid I'm surprised by somebody who's as afraid and he doesn't flee immediately to his saying Allah is saying because in that verse because I heard Allah say alright at the end of it those who say the end result there is that they return with the blessing of Allah and more so not only are you safe you are blessed and you have fadl fadl is extra wealth that you didn't need and no harm has touched them that's the first thing the second thing someone who's depressed gham has come upon him some sadness has come upon him how could you not say immediately when you get depressed I'm surprised by someone who doesn't say this because right after La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen Allah says and we answered his prayer and we saved him from this sadness. And this is how we save all believers. وَكَذَلِكَ nunji الْمُؤْمِنِينَ All believers who flee to La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inni kuntu min al-dhalimeen. وَعَجِبْتُ لِمَنْ مُكِرَ بِهِ I'm surprised by somebody who has been plotted against. The people plotted against you. How do you not flee immediately to And I place my affair to Allah. Allah sees what everybody is doing. 
for I have heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say after that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has protected him from the harms that they plotted against him. Okay, the harm of their plot. And I'm surprised by someone. Someone who wants the dunya and he wants its beauty. How do you not go and flee to Allah saying, Ma Allah la quwwata illa billah. Okay. For I have heard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say right after the saying of Ma Allah la quwwata illa billah, in tarani ana aqalla min kamala walada, fa'asa rabbi an yu'tiyani khayram min jannatik. Khayram min jannatik. He says, because I've heard right after Allah says, MashaAllah, that he says, if you think that I don't have much, many friends and many children and much wealth, perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me a greater garden than yours. This is about the two, two men and their dispute in paradise, uh, in Surah Al-Kahf. One poor man and one rich man. So the, the poor man said, MashaAllah, maybe Allah is going to give me more than he gave you. So if you want the dunya, Start saying, MashaAllah, la quwwata illa billah. All right. All right, folks. That is our saying on Sayyidina al-Imam Ja'far al-Sadiq. And uh, let's wrap it up here and let us head uh, to our Q&A session, all related to anything that we've spoken about today, which is Sayyidina Ja'far al-Sadiq, uh, Imam Malik's relationship with him, uh, and everything else related to Ja'far Ibn Muhammad al-Baqir, Ibn Ali, Zain al-Abidin, Ibn al-Hussein, Ibn Ali, Ibn Abi Talib, wa Ibn Fatima al-Zahra, bintu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Let's start off with glitter. She says, I'm assuming it's a she. How do we ease our anxiety around death? The fact that we are buried underground in Barzakh, we will miss our family and leave behind on earth. You're going to have something far better. If you behave properly in this world and you believe properly, your aqidah is sound and your your ibadah is good, then when you when your soul comes out of your body, it's something to look forward to. And if you're worried about it, you just have to remember that Allah's promises in the Quran for the Salihin, their reward begins in their graves. Naimul Qabr, the reward begins in their graves. All right. In, and you're not going to have to worry about separation because the prophet said oh allah grant us an abode after death in the grave better than this abode and company in the grave better than this company so do not imagine that you're going to be in a casket in the ground all by yourself no your body will be that but your soul will be in something else completely so so watch so read and study and contemplate the the book uh by the uh, b- the book that's um what is what is it called? Opening the hearts. Get that book. It's all about the 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 life of the grave. Opening the hearts. Okay. Opening the hearts. The opening of the hearts. Yeah, on Lulu Press. The opening of the hearts on Lulu Press. Uh, and you could check it out. All right. Before we continue with, uh, I want to talk about some of our uh, some of our partners, Mecca Books. They have a lot of great books. Go there. Celebrate Mercy have has a great event this coming Friday. Check it out. And I want you also to check out this. Uh, these amazing set of beads that I got as a gift, actually. And and this this bead company came up with something really smart. You know, the beads like you, it's either too long, too short, right? These guys finally found a solution. I've been talking about this for a long time. Like, what is the right amount of, uh, of 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 rope these guys finally came up with a solution they have a very tight uh, uh uh this is called the elif right the very tight top you can shrink it and you can elongate it however you want right and it's so tight that it'll hold so if you wanted to elongate the rope you can pull it and then you could just throw it over your neck or use it as a bracelet just carry it around or you could tighten it up to use it to the tightness that you want. And the quality of the beat is very strong. And the colors are pretty neat too. So I really like this set, right? And it's just a straight, because you know I have another pet peeve with this, the beads. This is Besmada beads, by the way. I have another, can someone tag them 
so that they could see that we're talking about them here. All right, let's tag these guys. I never tagged anyone before. How do you tag somebody? Rahana, how do you tag somebody? Do you know how to tag somebody? Basmala beats. Does that just hit at? Yeah. Boom. Basmala beats talking about you. Uh, all right. So this thing, I have a pet peeve of somebody who doesn't make a beads as 33, 33, 33. Right? Why would you put 33, 17, 17, which makes 34, and then 33? How do we make our tasbih after salah? So they finally got it right. And by the way, they're the packaging, the branding. It's, it's a great company. It's a great company. It's a really good company. So young Muslim business. Uh, and they did, uh, you know, they're doing really good. Now let's go to this question before we go to Ryan. He says, uh, what is the name of the book you're reading from? It is Al-Madkhil Al-Wajiz Fit Ta'rif Madhab Imam Al-Fiqhi Wal-Hadith Malik Ibn Anas. Long Arabic title, but the basic summary of the history, terminology, biographies, usul, Uniqueness of the Maliki Method by Sheikh Ahmed Taha Rayyan. Someone needs to translate this. Okay, somebody needs to. I will. I'll pay somebody to translate this. If you can translate, you'll get paid. Right to translate this book for us, and we'll publish it. Okay, so send me a DM. That's what they call them, right? All right. Next question is the story of the poor man and the rich. Are you referring to the one in Surah Al-Kaf? Yes. All right, Ryan, you're up. Were all of the 12 Shia, the Imams, were they Sunnis? There, there, there is an on record that uh, from, from the Sunni records, we have Jafar al-Sadiq. We have a lot of documentation on Jafar al-Sadiq. And then where it goes beyond that, I'm not, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Is it true here, he says, that Sadiq says, is it true that Imam Jafar al-Sadiq had his own madhab during his lifetime? They, every, a lot of scholars had their own opinions. In that case, it's a madhab, in the sense that it's an opinion, their own opinion, their own methodology. A lot of scholars had that. Um, how did it then evolve, not evolve, devolve, into 12 Shiism? Allah Adam. It doesn't have a sentence, so I don't bother much. Imam Jafar al-Sadiq is seen as the infallible, yes, He's seen as infallible by them. We consider him to be a, a lofty and noble and one of the greatest imams of his generation and the sheikh of Malik and the sheikh of many other people and a student of great scholars such as Zuhri, Al-Qasim ibn Muhammad ibn Abi Bakr, Muhammad al-Baqr. But we only consider one human being to be masum in our ummah and that is the messenger of Allah sallallahu And in the future, Sayyidina Isa ibn Maryam will come down with the sharia of the prophet and he will do, he will he has the permission from the Prophet to abrogate certain things. He abrogates through the, through the permission of the Prophet, peace be upon him, jizya. Right? He ab no jizya. When Sayyidina Isa comes, it's a binary world. You're with us or against us. The evidence is so clear now. Right? Imran Nasim says, Nahl Jil Balagha. Is it an acceptable Sunni book? There is. Al-Azhar did uh, publish a Sunni the Sunni version of it. Yes, there is. And it's very different from the Shi'i version where Sayyidina is like bitter and he writes these nasty letters to people and it's not the Sayyidina that we know. Did Sayyidina Imam Jafar al-Sadiq ever live in Abyssinia? Allahu Adam, I don't know. I didn't see that, but Allahu Adam. Brooklyn Bedouin, Allahu Akbar. Ibrahim Abdul Mateen, my main man. Did Imam Jafar? Oh, you don't know him? He wrote he wrote Green Dean. Yeah. Did Imam Jafar or any of his contemporaries do commentary on Imam Sajjad's treatise, treatise on rights? I don't have knowledge of that. I do not have knowledge of that. Najmiya, thank you for adding Basman Abids. All right, before we go to Hashid Hashmi, let's go to Ryan. What you got? Do you know of any narrations? Um, of Jafar al-Sadiq or Imam Zain al-Abidin's Aqidah or Fiqh? Narrations of their Aqidah and Fiqh. Narrations of Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq. He has a lot of hadith. 
cited in many different books. For example, on a chapter of Hajj, Imam Sayyidina Imam Muslim, he has a long hadith narrated from Jafar al-Sadiq. His longest hadith on Hajj is from Jafar al-Sadiq. If you go deep into the books of hadith, you will see narrations from Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq. Does Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam receive salawats if they are sung? He receives them if they are sung or spoken to or uttered. Just saying it is enough. Yes, they, they do receive it. Okay. They do receive it. Next. Uh, Shiraz Ahmed is asking, if you can mention the story of Imam Zain al-Abidin about Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and Sayyidina Umar, um, that's mentioned in Kitab al-Zuhd. No, there's a lot of different stories. I don't know which one he's talking about, but I did mention Sayyidina Jafar saying that whosoever says that I'm the infallible imam who's uh, obligated to be followed, then I am. I disavow them and Allah disavows them. And whoever says a word about Abu Bakr and Omar, I disavow them and Allah disavows them. That's That we know from Sayyidina Jafar al-Sadiq. Why are there very few Sunni works and sources on him? There's not few, but we just don't know them. There are they are there, right? They are there if you if you research. Is the book available in English? No, this book. I'm telling you right now. DM me if you want a job translating this. Someone book. say uh, Saeed Muhammad Daniel mm-hmm. said I can translate content to Spanish from English and Arabic to Spanish. We can put it in Spanish. Document take his name down because we eventually will need. We want to translate like Ashmawiya into Spanish. Akhdari. Ah. He, he emails. Akhdari. Yes, yeah, send an email. Akhdari. Akhdari is the first thing we'll translate because it's the shortest. Oh, Ashmawiya first, then Akhdari, then Ibn Asher. Sacred text syllabus. Thank you. Translates books. Next. Um, did Imam Malik, Rahimullah, did he have any other shaykh in Tasawwuf? Uh, there's no sheikh that he speaks about that Imam Malik speaks about the question is did he have other sheikhs in spiritual matters there's no sheikh that he speaks about in this way when it comes to knowledge Ibn Hurmuz was his sheikh when it comes to knowledge his primary sheikh he said eight years I had one sheikh Ibn Hurmuz and nobody else he said and I did not mix I had one sheikh and then he said I continued to go to him for 22 years after that Right, even though he had took other shiuch. And this Sheikh Ibn Hurmuz was he he studied from him mainly the important matters of Aqidah. And that's why Malik ibn Anas is so strong and, and clear in Aqidah, right? What his Aqidah is regarding t- uh, the Masa'id Tashbih and Tanzi and the state uh, uh, the Sahaba, the cursing of Sahaba, and many other things. And then in Usul al Fiqh, his biggest Sheikh was Rabi'atul Ra'i, who taught him that a thousand from a thousand the action of a thousand from a thousand is better than one narration of one from one which is where the concept of amal ahl al-medina the, the the scholarship of medina is considered a mutawatir hadith it's its weight is like it's mutawatir because it's impossible that they had been to, for them to be wrong about this so ryan get me the spanish brother inshallah so that we can start with Ashmawiya in Spanish. Are you involved with Seeker's Guidance future Madiki curriculum? No, I'm not aware of that. Um, where did you get this scarf? I found it in my house, to be honest with you. Yeah, there, there, uh, to be honest with you, I found it in my house. I don't know how to get this brother's info, so he's just going to have to uh, okay. we have to send us something. No, it'll come back. All right. Is there a dominant tariqah that would flow senadwise through Ahlul Bayt? Mostly the spiritual paths, their leaders are Ahlul Bayt. And mostly the fiqh, fiqhi madhahib, their leaders are outside of Ahlul Bayt. So it's as if the distribution of the fiqh has been to outside Ahlul Bayt and the distribution of the imama, the leadership of the spiritual paths is to Ahlul Bayt. So, al-rifai. Al-Shadri, Al-Jilani. Okay, they're all Ahl al-Bayt. All the Ba'alawi of Yemen, which is not a famous tariqah in the past, but it is now. Ahl al-Bayt. Right, so 
um, if you look at most of the origins of the spiritual past, they originate with Ahlul Bayt, and most of the origins of the, the fiqhi schools, well, we only have four fiqhi schools now, before there were more, uh, they tend to be outside of Ahlul Bayt. Shafi'i is not Ahlul Bayt, but he's from Abdul Muttalib. His lineage does go back to Abdul Muttalib. Uh, uh, that's why he's, uh, but he is not considered Ahlul Bayt from Al Hassan or Hussein. Can you kindly share the name of the book? I missed the note uh, to note the name of the book again. Sure. The book is called Al Madhal Al Wajiz. Fit Tarifi Bi Madhab Imam Al Fiqhi Wal Hadith Malik Ibn Anas by the, the great Sheikh Ahmed Taha Rayyan. You should watch Ahmed Taha Rayyan's videos. You should watch them online. You just see, like, you feel this is someone who's on the right path, right? He has a big white frosty beard, pure white beard, and he's a dark Aswan. He's I think he's from Aswan, from the south of Egypt, right? And he he has a cup of tea and he's answering questions between Maghrib and Aisha. He's answering questions from the public. And he may read a little bit uh, of a dars, right? Um, you know what? You, let, let me pull up one of his his lessons. He's really like just He's on the footsteps of Imam Malik, and he used to teach the works of Sidi Ahmed Dardir, who's basically the final word on uh, the Maliki method in the common time, in the in the latter times. Ahmed Dardir, uh, he teaches all his books, and I have the honor of studying with one of his students now, one of Ahmed Taharayan's students, and Sheikh Yasir Fahmi studied with Sheikh Ahmed Taharayan directly. Uh, let me just type it in. Uh, I, I wish I had met him, to be honest with you. He was very... Um, look at this. There's a picture of the Sheikh. And, uh, and you can hear him too. It's really easy to learn about my family's history. Zip it. Okay, I mean... Whatever with the intro. Enough with the end. There it is. See that? That's the Sheikh. He's talking about the Ash'ari Aqeedah. The truth, basically. He's basically, in this quote, he just said that um, the, the, the Aqeedah, he said that you look at how many scholars of Al-Azhar, all of them, right? From the from its founding, the official madhab of the school is it, and the founding of it was upon the uh, Ashari Aqid. And he said, when you just see the sheer numbers and you see the names who were the Ashari, he says, it just gives your heart calmness. It cannot all be wrong, right? What's that? How we're talking about a Maliki scholar here? It's it's huh? It's Azhar TV. All right, so he now is talking about the Mutashabihat. But the point being, I wanted to just show you what the Sheikh looked like and how he he sit with his yellow paged books. That's the ancient. You know, the early types of prints, the yellow page books. And you sit with these yellow page books, cup of tea, and he would just answer questions from the public. But he would answer them with such expertise, okay, that he, a veteran scholar. It would go down into your 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 heart like butter. Hannah, go and read me that last question there on the phone. No, the answer to is the Maliki Madhab named after the uh, Anas ibn Malik, the, the Sahabi who served the Prophet? The answer is no. It has nothing to do with Anas ibn Malik. Malik ibn Anas is different from Anas ibn Malik. No relation at all. Ryan, you're up. Are there any narrations of Imam Malik and Imam Abu Hanifa meeting and their respect for each other? Is there any talk about Malik and Abu Hanifa meeting? Yes, they did They did meet. And they had a great respect for each other. And in this, we must say the truth that Malik agreed to a debate with Abu Hanifa. A public debate. And Malik 
early in the debate, he began to perspire, and then he called for the end of the d- debate. Okay. Uh, and then Malik said, I've never seen a man more knowledgeable than him. Abu Hanifa said about Malik, I've never seen a man accept the truth faster than him. So uh, that was the debate. And Malik never debated anybody ever, ever again. Okay. But so they did meet and they had a debate. Shahida says, is Nisfi Shaban Thursday night, March 17th? The answer is yes. Can we start making dua on Layl for on Laylatul Jummah after Asr or from Maghrib? You should really start anytime that there is a sacred night, you should really start preparing from the between Asr and Maghrib so that the Maghrib comes in when you're in a good state. And then spend the entire night. Make sure you get you you, you clear your schedule. And spend that night in dua because the answer dua is answered and istighfar and ibadah. And the five great nights being. The first, the night before the first of Rajab, the Nisf of Shaban, or, or the two, the two Eids, the night before the two Eids, the night before the fifteenth of Shaban, and the Laylatul Qadr, which is hidden, and then every single week there is a special night, so you can make that the sixth one, and that is every Thursday night, which is the night before between Thursday and Friday, which is tonight, and then every single day, the last third of the night. I don't, I'm surprised by anybody who actually wants something from Allah and doesn't jump over these uh, at these times. And in the middle of the day, the Prophet said the greatest position in which dua is most answered is the, uh, bef- is the end of the prayer. So right before salam and right after salam. So make your dua before salam and after salam. And of course the sujood. And of course, any time, okay, desperate, the desperate dua, it goes straight up to heaven, regardless of what the time is. Let's go to Hashir Hashmi. He says, is there any scholarly opinion on whether Imam Mahdi will be leaning towards Sisawaf in its modern tariqah format? He is above all of this. He's mutlaq. His obedience to him is obligatory. Okay. He's, this is he is above all of these things. Say this is Al Imam Mahdi, and he will either he will approve or disapprove of things. He is not like others who have to study and try to study and figure out the truth. He is he is inspired with the truth, and his oblig, uh, obedience to him is obligatory. So he's at a different level than others. Sidra says, "Can you clarify holding a grudge versus simply disliking someone?" Okay, that's a very good question. You don't have to like everybody. And there's a narration that the Prophet said him. There was a man that the Prophet said him did not like because he didn't like his character. You cannot like somebody. You could also avoid somebody. That's all that is fine. But you should not have hatred in your heart for that person. If they pass by, you have to give them your rights, their rights. That's it. Nabila says, I know you mentioned this before. What's the name of the book to learn more about the Ashadi Creed? Talking about Key to Paradise. Um, in the English language, um, go. let's go to Mecca Books and see what they have. Let's see if there's any new publications from Mecca Books. Okay. Mecca Books are partner. They have Aqidah Books. Anything new? Let's, let's read it here. Um... Islamic theology and Tawheed, Creed Aqidah. Here we go. All right. So, um, Imam al Bayhaqi's book is a good book. The Creed of Imam al Bayhaqi, very good book. The, the commentary upon the Creed of Imam al Dardir, really good book. Click and buy. Um. Okay. Let's look at if I click Tawheed, what happens? All right. Let's see if I click. Yeah. So I would go with Sidi Ahmed Zardir's book. But we got to get our book onto there. 
We got to get the book, uh, Key to Paradise. We got to get it to him. ASAP. Is it lack of adab to make dua while lying down before sleeping? And the answer is no. What else you got, Ryan? Um, let's see what we got. Someone asked about uh, Abdul Qadr Abdul al-Jilani. Uh, was he the first one to start the Turuk, Sufiya? No. Abdul Qadr al-Jilani was not the first one to start Turuk. And in fact, if you read his biography, he didn't even like most of the Turuks that were around, like the way they were doing things. And he never established a tariqah himself. His sons made it into a tariqah afterwards, right? But he himself did not have a formalized tariqah, and he had a lot of criticism to the contemporary tariqahs at his time. Next. Could you also clarify, when we say uh, Thursday night, is the time of Ijaba then? We mean the night between yeah. Thursday and Friday. Laylatul Jum'ah, because we, we live in America, on, in, the, in the whole world now, on a solar calendar. So Thursday night means that the night after Thursday. But when we're talking about the, uh, the Arabic, so the solar calendar, solar is by the moon. Uh, sorry, lunar. Lunar is by the moon. Well, the moon comes out at night, so the night comes first. So the structure of the 24-hour cycle differs. Uh, regarding its start time so what we call in the by lunar uh, reference thursday night is by uh, so by solar reference by lunar reference friday night so it's easiest to say the night between thursday and friday that's the clearest expression that nobody can confuse the night between thursday and friday when we talk about nisr shaban the night before the 15th of shaban meaning the night before the day of 1415 when we say the night of Eid, we mean the night before Eid. So on and so forth. Next. Um, can you make audiobooks? Yeah, we, we need to make audiobooks, to be honest. We need to make our book on audio. I have a good, I have a friend, his voice is like, really? he's like only 14, but he has a really deep voice and it's just like, Ooh, nice. So soothing. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me if Salat al Tasbih is permissible? Not only permissible, but Mandub recommended. In all the four madhabs. Nabila says, and consider a grudge if you can't forgive oppressors within the ummah. Oppressors within the ummah can't there, you, you're not even in the position to forgive somebody unless you're in the position to punish them first. Then you can forgive them. So there, you're not even in the position. Okay. Um not even the position to forgive people unless you can punish them first. Let's go to one more question. Hmm. Maybe, can we do two? Mm -hmm. Two more questions? Really? Two more questions, fine. What's your opinion on Keshful Mahjub and Tazkiratul Awliya? My, the, what, what about Kesh, the book Keshful Mahjub? It's a good book. What's wrong with it? And Tazkiratul Awliya is an excellent book, mashallah. Okay. And are, are there any ayats that point to the existence of Imam Mahdi? Are there ayats of Quran that point to the existence of Imam Mahdi? No. There's no, the Dajjal and Imam Mahdi are not mentioned in the Quran. And the explicit mention of the return of Isa is not in the Quran. Implicitly, he is, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saying, he speaks to people in the cradle and the grave. And then um, Kim is asking about the, the online store. You know what we're going to do? We're going to go to Lulu Press. It's not Shopify, it's Lulu, which is our printer. And we're just going to say, what in the world is going on? Because none of our books have been shipping out. All right. So we're going to go to Lulu Press and we're going to talk to them. There's got to be something like there's got to be some disconnect. So we're going to fix this like today. What's that? Yeah, the books will get to you, whether we send it manually, whether we talk to Lulu Press, whatever happens. And watch it in like a month. They're going to get all the back orders, right? What we sent to them, what they ordered, whatever. Take it. So uh, inshallah ta'ala. The, it will be fixed. I can guarantee you that. Uh, either way, we have everyone's order and we could just send it even manually if we have to. So we'll do that. Uh, but until then, we are wrapping up with a really great episode today that we talked about and a really great hour that we spoke about the Salihin. And in the Salihin, when the, the, the righteous are mentioned, the mercy comes down. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept from us Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make our dua accepted and make and transform our whims and desires so that we only desire what Allah has willed for us. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give them 
to give us istiqama and to make us submitted to his law, to his aqidah, and to the spiritual state that he wants us in, to the state of our heart that he wants us in. We ask Allah Ta'ala that we live and die and, 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 and do not meet him except upon humility, upon great, gratefulness, upon istiqama, and holding on to the uh, sunnah and the jama'ah. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give mercy to our parents, give them shifa, give them jannatul firdaus. We ask Allah Ta'ala to make all of our children love iman and hate kufr and hate disobedience and make it distasteful to their eyes, uh, in their hearts. Akhiru ja'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim taslim kathiran wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.